Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, Avatarians, and welcome to the very first and, who knows, perhaps the very last Toffee Web podcast, depending on how this goes. I'm Lyndon Lloyd, one of three blues on the team for this first foray into the audio space for the Internet's longest-running Everton website. For those who don't know, I'm the chief writer of words and news at Toffee Web, and I'm joined by two lads who, if nothing else, will add the right accent to the proceedings. But uh, more importantly, they're two top uh, match-going blues in Paul Trail and L. Bretland. Uh, Paul is someone who, for regular readers of the site, I'm sure will need no introduction. Uh, he's written match reports for Toffee Web for quite a few years now, and has been a really welcome addition in terms of adding some uh, color around going the game, especially since Ken Buckley retired his quill and ink. Paul, how are you, my friend? Very good, Lyndon. Very good. Uh, thanks for the thanks for the kind words. Um, no yeah, all good. All all the better for having Frank Lampard on board, I suppose. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm sure uh, long-time Toffee readers won't need much introduction to L either. Uh, a former sport journalist, he's written for the likes of The Sportsman, The Daily Mail, The Blue Room, and of course, The Toffee Web, uh, when we've been lucky enough to receive one of his excellent long-form reads. Uh, he might also be the unofficial president of the Duncan Ferguson fan club. L, how are you, mate? Yeah, really well, thanks. Very well. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, Duncan Ferguson, delighted that he's kept this job as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm really chuffed that you lads were willing to do this with me. Um, at the moment, you know, we're just dipping our toes into the water. We don't have any real structure or, or schedule in mind. It's just three blogs chatting about the blues. Uh, but obviously, we'd welcome any feedback and ideas that you listeners might have. But uh, seeing as this is the, the first one, I thought we'd borrow an idea from Roger Armstrong's uh, excellent Blue Half podcast that he used to do and just find out uh, each, about each of your backstories and uh, how you came to be Evertonians. Uh, El, do you want to go first? Yeah, so um, I was fortunate, really, that I became an Evertonian before I knew that my whole family was. Um, I actually copied a guy who I was in class with in reception at school. Um, he had the yellow and black Danker kit on, and I just thought it was great, and he had a season ticket. So that night I went home and told my mum that I was an Evertonian. And uh, she said, well, that's good, because so are all we. And my <laughs> first game was actually Alan Shearer's Newcastle debut in August 96. Yeah. Um, and Duncan stole the show in that one. Uh, David Unsworth scored a penalty and Gary Speed scored as well. 
Um, and so, yeah, ever since my first game, really, I've been I've been a regular and, and had a season ticket for for over twenty years now. Superb. That's, that's commitment right there. How about you, Paul? It's a bit of a late bloomer, I suppose, of a with a football and Everton. I wasn't that that fussed about football, but my brother was a was a very very good player, and he got picked up by Everton in um, the. Uh, what was it called? The Centre of Excellence. I forget the forget the name of it now. The area it'll come to me. But uh, he got picked up anyway, and um, ended up playing for Everton in the reserves, and made a couple of sort of like first team get appearances in um, like pre season and stuff like that. Uh, so and uh, yeah, I've been from like not really being much of a football fan at all to to all of a sudden getting to Goodison. That's where the reserves used to play at Goodison and uh, regularly. And yeah, go and just and then get into a few games. Just end up absolutely go from not knowing much about it at all. So absolutely loving it. Um, so yeah, and then, uh, yeah, God knows how many years on, uh, seasons like a holder for a number of years. So um, a lot of pain to, to report on over that time as I've, uh, <laughs> as I've done for Toffee Web for a number of years now. But yeah, that was uh, that was my journey into being an Evertonian. Excellent, excellent. Well, now that we uh, know a bit more about you two, I suppose just uh, just get into it. Um, I was thinking that um, Lyndon, you yeah, didn't explain your journey into becoming an Evertonian. That's true. I I, I always assume that people know. I've, I've told the story on on, right. on a podcast, and I know that um, anyone who actually has the Toffee Soccer book has probably got my story as well. Um, mine's is a strange one. Obviously, I don't have any ties to to Liverpool whatsoever. Um, I was born and raised in South Africa, and as kids. You know, we we barely had we barely had TV or sports coverage at all, really. But you know, the teams that I was aware of were the the, the big ones, like you know, Liverpool, Manchester United, obviously, Chelsea. I think we'd heard of Manchester City. And I suppose if we supported anyone, it was United. Uh, but when we moved to England in '86, uh, me being the elder brother, I just decided that I that I needed to to break away and find a new team. And um, yeah, it, it just I think it was a match of the day special doing a focus i think on gary lineker and i just saw everson on the screen and whether it was the name or the kit or whatever it was or just a or just a bolt from the blue being chosen i was like just knew instantly that was that was the team so uh yeah the rest they say is history <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it's uh i think uh l you said you 96 so you would have been immediately after our last trophy and I was yeah, lucky so enough to to experience one league championship. Yeah, so I think this is the current longest barren run in the club's history. Yeah, and I've supported them for the entirety of it. For <laughs> some would say I'm a jinx as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, I mean, there's you've got an entire generation of jinxes. Then you know, it's like yeah, <laughs> you playing. But I mean, yeah. So fingers crossed now that uh, I mean, with how many false stones have we had? Fingers crossed now that maybe we've got some kind of corner we're being turned. And I suppose on that note, seeing as we together haven't really discussed it between ourselves, we can kind of take a, a step back. Um, I, I want to get your take on the whole the whole Benitez appointment in the, in the first place and, and sort of how we got into this latest mad chapter of, of Everton history. Uh, obviously, the media has latched onto this notion that you know, Benitez never stood a chance at Goodison because of his Liverpool past, but I think the majority of us were prepared to give him a chance. And I mean, obviously, clearly, there's a lot of hindsight involved here, Al. But where, where do you stand on on the manager search as it was last summer after Ancelotti went, and, and what did you make of the choice to to appoint Benitez in the first place? 
Yeah, I think obviously football is so tribal, isn't it? And what Rafa Benitez achieved on the on the other side of the city, um, you know, it was a huge deal for them. And you know, we are so staunch in our in our love for Everton. And you know, Liverpool do feature in some of our songs, don't they? Quite heavily. So <laughs> it was it. It's just one of them. I think we're quite a unique club that some rivalries, sometimes players and managers do cross. But with us, I just don't think it works. And I think that that was the big thing that when if if a if a bad run did come, it was going to unravel very quickly. And I think that's what happened. But I, you know, I think the the fan feeling and the fact that uh, Rafa managed Liverpool, I think that's way down the list of why he needed to go in the end. Um, I think in the summer, looking at Farah Mashiri and the fact that he's only been involved in the football club for six years and he probably doesn't take on the rivalry as much as we would. I can sort of see why he went for Benitez. You know, he, he is a he has won silverware in the past. He's managed some of the biggest clubs in the world, but you know that was that was a long time ago now, and it it, it just wasn't the right fit from the start. And I think that the Liverpool connection was way down there in hindsight. It was probably at the forefront of a lot of minds at, at, at the time when the appointment was made. But I think fair play to the fan base that we we did all get behind him. You know, we you know I know a few people wouldn't off, but. We were all there. We supported the club like we always do. Um, but I do. I just think it, it was the wrong move from the off. And I'm glad that it was it was swiftly cut short, really. Yeah, I was really uncomfortable with it from the from from the outset. But, you know, obviously I'm not based in the city, so I wasn't sort of feeling that, that kind of visceral, that, that visceral feeling of having a, having a red in charge. But so I was sort of almost experiencing it vicariously thinking, you know, this is this is just it's just like a like a thorn in the side that that, that the local fans just really didn't need. And I thought from that perspective it was really um I don't know, it was a really ballsy decision, I suppose, by Mashiri. But um I Paul, were you surprised at just how badly it went under Benitez given all that experience that he has? Well, I don't think anybody thought it was gonna go that badly that quickly, did they? I was I I I never thought it would really work out with Rafa Benitez, but never, never thought it'd be that bad either. I was more disappointed. It wasn't so much that he, he was a Liverpool manager for me, Rafa. It was just the way he, the way he behaved. Obviously, there's a small club comments, etc. But the way he behaved towards Everton when he was Liverpool manager, I never liked. And for quite a, for a number of years, when Everton were going through Ronald Koeman and Marco Silva and uh, Brendan Rodgers was doing ever so well at Celtic, and, and I thought I always thought why, why did we go for Brendan Rodgers? You know, I mean, the, the, he was never he was he was never difficult towards Everton. He was always you know quite polite when he was when he was Liverpool manager, but he never seemed to be on the radar. Rafa Benitez's name would always get linked, wouldn't he? Wouldn't it every time there was a manager? Yeah. So I was amazed that that was never a case. And now, I mean, obviously Brendan Rodgers would never have come to Everton. <laughs> it's, it's, so he's, he's gone like above, you know, but too we're, yeah, probably not good enough for his standard now. Whereas just getting Rafa, Rafa Benitez in, I could just cause never understand it. I could never get behind it. I could never, I, I couldn't respect the man. I couldn't, you know, as, you know, as, a, as Elle said, you know, once the season started and Everton were winning games, it was like, well, yeah, you, you accept it. Everton are doing, Everton are doing well. So you don't have to like the manager, but if the team are winning, you accept it, obviously. And, uh, and no problem there, but as it unraveled, he, it went on a, probably at least a month too long, really. He could have, there's, there's a number of games in December where he could have been, could have been sacked after, really. And yeah, we, and then probably would it be, have had got this manager in sooner and, you know, might not have already made some decisions in on Luca Dean and stuff like that. And, you know, in, um, late December, early January. So it's, uh, 
it's all been a poor show, hasn't it, really? Yeah, actually, I was going to ask you about that. When when you thought he should have gone, because for me, I, mean, I think after the Merseyside derby and just the feeling around the, the stadium that evening and obviously, you know, people shouting at sack the board and shouting at brands and it was just, I don't know, it was just, it was just the toxicity was so much that, you know, that I thought that probably could have been the time. Um, the Brentford game was another example where he you know, clearly lost the fans. Crystal Palace. Maybe. Yeah, and, and Crystal Palace as well, and, and you just think, what well, I don't know what was what was gained by by making a drag on as much as he as much as Mashiri did, other than maybe like ego, not willing to make a mistake, or just not knowing who the hell he would bring in to replace him. You know, I mean, yeah, it went on a long, long time, didn't it? I thought, yeah, the, the Merseyside derby would have been an obvious one, I suppose. I wonder if like if Marcel Vans hadn't had a discussion of that fact he just kept his, his trap shut and walked down was, <laughs> was, yeah, that, was, was that enough to get it? probably not but like it was just uh yeah he, i don't know how he survived so long really and he got, but like everyone said what happened with after the um you know people oh he falls out with everybody etc etc and uh yeah just all them sort of nightmares that we that you thought would happen with Rafford but he has over a long period of time maybe over 18 months two years all happened very very quickly within sort of six seven months really it was uh as El said again, like it was um, glad, glad it's over, glad it's glad it's done with early, and uh, and that's that. He won't be getting linked with Everton jobs anymore. So that's uh, that's uh, that's the end of it, I suppose. So at least it was done quite swiftly. That's it. He's been and gone. So on, onwards and upwards, I guess. Absolutely. And so this then then we then we have the manager search, the manager circus of the last two weeks. Um, L, sum sum that one up for us. Oh, where'd you start? I mean, (laughs) with Vitor Pereira, he was he was linked with the job when Roberto Martinez got it eight years ago, and I think probably eight years ago was when he was at his his height of management. Um, I, you know, you you read up on managers to you know, none of us are probably really closely follow Vitor Pereira's uh, managerial career, but I was just. I came across an article that his involvement with 1860 Munich with Keir Jarabchian, and it just really scared me. And, and for me, Vitor Pereira, I didn't want him to get the job, but it wasn't really to do with Vitor Pereira. It was more to do with uh, Jarabchian and his involvement in the football club. Um, because, you know, we don't want those sort of people in the game pushing various players onto us that maybe not might you know, not the right fit. And it's the same with the manager. You know, a, a wrong appointment this season could have could have ruined the future of Everton Football Club for a very long time. So when he was at 1860 Munich, he came with 20 games to go and they actually got relegated from the second division in Germany. Um, and I don't think that on his CV really makes him suitable for the Everton job. Um, he's had a lot of clubs as well, but quite similar to, to Benitez, really. Um, probably wrong time, wrong man. And yeah, his CV wasn't great, but we sort of went from different names every day. <laughs> and then, you know, the Lampard, Rooney, Ferguson, not a great amount of experience, but I think the club actually stumbled upon on the right person. And I, I'd argue that Vitor Pereira going on Sky actually made Frank Lampard a very favourable candidate in the end. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for all the sort of bad points and, and how scared he made us, it actually... <laughs> You know, we looked at Lampard and thought, you know what, he could be the guy. Um, but yeah, just just the timing of it, um, it did go on a little bit too long, and 
I think really worryingly, it, it just shows that there's a lack of contingency at Everton. There isn't really a plan. You know, I, I would like the football club that even if we have the greatest manager of all time in the dugout, still have names there, you know, on a short list. Still look at who the upcoming managers are. And the same for players in the transfer window as well. And I, I just think um, the process of finding new managers just showed that that's probably lacking at Everton at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it is, you know, without that structure in place, it does just seem to be very, very haphazard. And the thing for um, with uh, Pereira for me is I actually <laughs> ended up writing an entire um, article on him for the website <clears throat> based on the on the assumption that, you know, when he was, when it really did look like he was going to get the job. And I was sort of making the point that, as I did in the in the one for Lampard, is you never really know how a manager is going to, going to turn out. Um, I mean, if you look at Bruno Lage's record before he came to Wolves, there's nothing in that in that CV that would suggest he, that he was going to do as well as he has done, certainly so far in the short term, albeit with a more settled, uh, more settled and more um, diverse team than ours right now. Um, but the thing with with Pereira for me was is again you were starting with a candidate who was just going to get the the fans backs up not because of really who he was, but because of his, his, his CV, his record. And just that fear that we could really, the, the danger is we could go down this season. And you, and the one thing you didn't want to start with was someone that the fans had no trust in because that's going to bleed into the players. You know, even before the players get to, a, get to Goodison and feel an uneasy atmosphere, they know they, they're on social media. They, they have a... They can get get the the temperature of how the fans are feeling, and, and if you're already starting from a from a deficit from that point that standpoint, I just thought it was was really really um, really dangerous situation. So I was, was so thankful that he uh, that he blew up his own chances on Sky. <laughs> well, we were just coming out of a, a situation where we were laughing when the, the the confidence of the players was so short; it was visible. The play, the players had no confidence. They're playing with a. A toxic toxicity uh, in in the atmosphere, yeah, in the atmosphere and amongst the crowd, and uh, yeah, that wouldn't have been probably as as vitriol, but it, you know, it, it would have continued, wouldn't it, if we'd have gone down that route? So yeah, I think everyone's uh, everyone's relieved we didn't we didn't we didn't carry on with that. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is any any other candidates that that you had wished that we had looked at that we didn't? Oh, this. I mean. There's so many names out there, isn't there? Um, that I can't even pick. I mean, how many managers were we linked with in this in this period? But none of them, none of them seem right. I mean, oh, I, I just don't know if if the perfect manager to sort all our problems out is out there, really. Yeah, I don't think it is. I don't think there's a there's really a perfect manager for anyone. I suppose apart from Pep, who's you know, who's <laughs> just so far ahead of everyone else. It seems just because of how. Just focused and obsessed, and, and exacting he is on on getting exactly what he wants out of the out of a team. Um, but in, in a, for a club in our situation, you've got to a got to have someone who is willing to take on the job uh, that that it currently is. You've got to have someone who's willing to work with an owner that, and in a hierarchy that looks increasingly erratic and unpredictable. Um, and so I, I suppose that narrows down the shortlist to begin with. Um, but as you said, Al, that just the the array of of candidates that we were looking at just doesn't didn't strike, didn't suggest that there was any kind of plan 
behind any of it. And and again, that comes down to this this lack of structure that we've all been talking about um, forever. So hopefully, you know, within the next few weeks and months, that the, the club are going to start um, implementing whatever comes out of the strategic review, and we actually get some that some of that structure back in place because that's going to be huge going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So, Frank. Frank Lampard, which I honestly, I've, I've listened to a lot of the stuff that he's been that he said. I've listened to podcasts and read articles, and, it, and I'm really, really impressed by him. But when when it was first mooted that he was going to come on board, it, it just felt a little strange. Just sort of Frank Lampard has always been so synonymous with with Chelsea that it was kind of strange for me to, to think that Frank Lampard's now Everton manager. What did you, what did you guys think? Yeah. You wouldn't have ex- you wouldn't have expected that once Rafa left, would you? You wouldn't have thought, oh, Frank Lampard would be, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't have put your money on Frank Lampard being the next Everton manager. Um, certainly didn't expect that. It obviously became more and more looked more and more likely as he got obviously closer to the appointment. But I like I like Frank. I um, I, you know, I think it, it, it's a it's a nice change. You may as well saying before really. Rafa Benitez as a guy I didn't respect, whereas Frank Lampard's a, a guy I really like and I re- really respect. And I, I, I know that doesn't mean he's going to be a good manager, I don't, I, for sure. But yeah, I just, I just like the way he carries himself. Um, I'm very impressed with the backroom team that we've uh, that we managed to put together. That's uh, blown me away a little bit. I didn't I didn't expect us to be able to put pull a team together like that. So um, that's all positive. And it, it strikes me that the the the, the fellas he's got he's, he's brought in as well that they must be quite confident in. In Everton surviving, they must like see that you see enough there in that squad and that team to you know to be able to get us out of this out of this situation. So that fills me with a bit of confidence. And uh, I think Lampard it just gives us a bit of hope. I like that it's a bit of a fresh start. I like that it's a. Yeah, I think I, I like that we've gone down the, the and I don't know if it's just accident accident by the board or the way it it just transpired, but. I like that it's a young up and coming or fairly young up and coming manager, you know, um, with quite a lot to prove. And I hope he's just given, you know, a bit of patience and a bit of time and or plenty of time. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to need it, aren't we? We're gonna, it's, 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 it isn't, this isn't going to be a like two year fix if it's going to work out with Lampard. It's, we're talking four or five years really before making any sort of, you know, real progress. So you would, you would have thought it's quite a lot to turn around. So, um, yeah, I'm really, I'm, I, I like the guy. I hope, really, really hope it works out for him because I think he's, he's a really good fella. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like the fact that, um, you know, <laughs> doing to the website, I've had to sit through a lot of um, press conferences that I really would rather not have sat through. I mean, because Rafael Benitez, I mean, he gave, he gave you absolutely nothing. They were just standard, minimal answers. <laughs> Um, and I think that that a lot of that kind of speaks to the fact that he's just really not a very inspirational character. Um, but what I what I liked with um, with Frank Lampard's was you know with the I think well how many we had a Portuguese we had an Italian had a Spaniard I think the the, the, the language barrier sometimes makes it difficult for them to really um, you know to speak at length and articulate themselves. And what I liked about Frank Lampard's yesterday was that you know he just could could just really get into what he sees, you know, this team being and, and, and his vision for it. And it just makes it, um, I don't know, it's a lot, 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 lot nice to listen to. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, I, I just, I don't know, someone mentioned on the, on the website that they haven't really seen anything that's that that's really inspired them. And I I find him quite inspiring. I, th- I like the way that he's, um, that he's, he carries himself, the way that he's, he's, um, 
reflects on on you know past mistakes you know that he's very cerebral like that um and i think from that perspective it's going to it can only be a good thing to have someone who is willing to 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 admit mistakes because lord knows his predecessor wouldn't have done <laughs> yeah i think he's got the real a real personality and i think one of the good things is as well he seems very honest and I, I think that I think the Evertonians will appreciate that honesty as well. Um, when he, you know, when he assesses the squad, when he'll assess games uh, further down the line. But I think as well, as Paul said, he's an up and coming manager, and it, it just feels like there's there's a freshness and an energy at Finch Farm at the moment now. In the last few days, it, it's taken us on a, it's you know we've turned we've turned to a new angle. I think, and I think that his personality, his his mentality as a player and what he's learned in the in the few years he's been a coach, I think, will really benefit us. I think, I think he's inspiring as well. And I think from a player's point of view, the fact that he has achieved so much in the game. I mean, look at the likes of Anthony Gordon. Um, what it must be like for him to to play under such such a uh, a player who won so much. And I think it's similar to Carlo Ancelotti. I think if you're a likable character and you're honest with your assessments. I think the fans will give you a lot of leeway as, as you start to to build the club back up. Um, so I, I think personality wise, he's he's a good fit for Everton. Yeah, absolutely. And I like his focus. Focus on communication is obviously a big thing too, which I think is where Benitez had a problem with players. Um, you know, either if either an absence of communication or just the wrong kind of communication. I think that 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 uh, description of him has been quite cold. That 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 comes through. Whereas I think Lampard is is the opposite, and it does help that he's he's of a younger generation. That he is, um, you know, he's almost a, a peer of some of those players. I think that can only be a good thing. I think you want your um. For me, it's it's quite important as well. Like the you you, you like the way your manager represents your club, and I, I really liked the way Carlo. Ancelotti represented Everton. I really like. I thought he'd, he'd stand up for us quite well when he was manager of Fort. I didn't like the way Rafa Benitez represented Everton. I didn't like the way, say, Sam Allardyce, Ronald Koeman represented Everton. You know what I mean? But but like uh, with Frank again, yeah, he, I like the way he represents us. I mean, it's, it's you know, very, very early days, of course. But um, yeah, he comes across quite a cool, calm fella, doesn't he? Um, and yeah, just um, I like that from, I like, I, you know, I, I think it's important that you, you know, that you can like your manager and just be behind him and, uh, I think, yeah. Given the given his predecessor, it just it just feels like, doesn't it, that like the majority of Evertonians are really right behind him, and uh, we need hope, don't we? And hopefully, Frank yeah. you know, gives us that. Really, I think we're desperate for hope, and uh, yeah, and we've we've gotten that. That's with the players as well. We're desperate for hope that Deli Ali, that Van der, uh, that um, Donny Van der Beek, um, you know, uh, hit hit the ground run and do do really really well. So uh, yeah, it's a big week, isn't it? Big, uh, big games coming up. It's, uh, yeah, could be quite, could be quite an exciting couple of weeks coming up early. Absolutely. How, how do you see those two in particular being sort of fit into the team? I'm not so sure. Um, I, I, I gotta be honest. I don't know enough about the exact position Donny Van der Beek should should be in. Could they, could they be? Could you play like a, you know, like Alan and then Van der Beek ahead of him and then. Deli Ali a little bit ahead of him, or will Deli Ali be part of the the attacking unit in the in, in the three somewhere? Or I'm not too sure. I really I really don't know. I don't know if they're too similar, or if they're not. I know a lot about what Deli Ali is. I just don't know quite enough about what Donny Van der Beek 
is uh, you know what his position is purely because obviously we haven't seen enough of him at Manchester United. Um, not sure if either you guys know know more about um, what we can expect from Van der Beek. Yeah, I think Van der Beek is is probably high energy. He gets up and down the pitch quite well, um, covers a lot of ground. But I think he's I don't know if it will translate into the into English football in the Premier League. But he was he's quite an attacking threat at Ajax as well. Um, so, but I think out of the two, I think for me, Ali would be the furthest forward in a midfield three, almost like a number ten. And I think he's quite aggressive in the press as well. So yeah. if he could get him right up close to uh, to Dominic Calvert Lewin. I think he, I think his energy. I think I think they both bring energy to the Everton midfield, um, and it's nice to have options as well. If you think someone of the the quality of Andre Gomez is perhaps fifth choice when you look at it on paper now. Yeah, um, I think they've they've been two good additions. Um, but yeah, I think I think it just boosts the midfield. It gives Frank Lampard a, a few options, and as as a lot of fans have cried out for all season, we probably. Because of the deficiencies in the team right now, we probably do need three men in midfield. And I think Van der Beek and Ali, they probably need two players either side of them as well. So I would expect us to probably play a 4-3-3 with the new arrivals. That would be yeah. such a such a simple, quick win for Frank, wouldn't it? To just stick three in midfield, <laughs> that we uh, get everybody like you know, wow, look at that, <laughs> like just after yeah. after Rafa Benitez. Finally, Plainly refusing today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, easy win there for Frank. Surely, if he can uh, do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I probably like a lot of people who haven't. I actually haven't seen much of Donny Van der Beek at all. I mean, I remember watching obviously the um, the Champions League uh, semi final against Spurs, which I, he really stood out in that. But you know, having barely played any football for Manchester United, it's no one can really assess how he's going to do in the English game. Um, I was reading um, an article about. Um, Deli Ali though, and how his greatest strength really is is sort of latching onto those balls over the top um, and sort of running into into space behind defenses because he's you know he's absolutely deadly once he's one on one with the goalkeeper. And it's funny that really I suppose the best the best player we have on our team in terms of pinging those balls over the top is Michael Keane. <laughs> it might be one argument for getting Michael Keane back into the team, but I I, I kind of see. Um, Alain Decore, Van der Beek as a sort of three, and then you know Dali Ali in the in the front three, um, which is obviously going to make for some interesting team selections if Calvert Lewin, Richarlison, Damari Gray, and Dali Ali are all fit. Um, mm. But but as you say, it's 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 options. It's finding options in that area of the field that we haven't had, and more than anything, it's potential goals from midfield. Which what is it? Um, how many do we have from from midfield this season? One, two. I mean, it's it's really. It's really an area of the field that's just that we just have no no product from in terms of goals at all, <laughs> or assists really, right? Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the stats or anything for that. We must surely have one of the least productive midfields in in the league. You could you can't get much worse than a couple of goals and that's kind of it, can you? Really, you know. So yeah, definitely should make a huge huge difference. I would have thought. I'm yeah, excited to see yeah. Dali Ali particularly. I've always thought he's a great. I was I was amazed to hear he was he was 25. Uh, I, I I I couldn't believe that he's obviously came through when he was quite young. Was it was it uh, MK Dons? Was it before yeah. before Tottenham? Um, yeah, it's just I feel like he's been around forever. So I, I figured he must he must be at least sort of 27 or so. It's fine. He was 25, and uh, I've I don't know. I'm sure I'll come to, I'll come to regret this, but I've just got quite a good feeling about Dali Ali. Maybe not this season. Maybe. 
I don't know. I might need a bit of time to get fit. Maybe next season. Maybe I, just, I can just. I don't know. I've got a feeling that might that might work out. I think it's the sort of player that that will get Everton fans very excited if you can, you know, chip in with some some important goals this season and get everyone licking the lips for next season. I think that could be a could be a really good player. Let's hope. Yeah, I think it's a really savvy move that Everton were previously known for, um, and I think they did really well in the summer getting Damari Gray in, but so cheaply, and I think Ali probably probably uh, follows that. So I think if Everton can stop being clever in the transfer markets again, you know, I'm at the FFP um, limitations. Um, I think it, I think it's a brilliant move, and it's it's very low risk as well. And as we've seen, you know, on his day, he's an absolutely brilliant top class player. So uh, yeah, credit where it's due for Everton. I think it's a really clever move. Yeah, I think that's that. Uh, out of everything that's happened in the last year, possibly is is the the lesson that I hope that the club takes is that there are transfers out there and bargains that can be had out there if you're really really savvy. And if you look at the the impact that you know that Demar Gray has had for you know almost a thirtieth of, of what um, Alex Awobi will. <laughs> Presumably, end up costing us if he makes a certain amount of appearances. I think the upper the upper end of it is thirty five million, which is um, staggering, staggering amount of money. Thanks, Kia. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think uh, it just yeah, in, in terms of in terms of goals and in terms of um, just adding that extra element up front, it, it's it, the, the potential for Deli Ali at, at Everton is is huge if he can get his head straight and that really seems to be the barrier you know it, it's it's if you've got the talent there then they've that's everything's there for you and you just have to have the desire and you know if he gets a couple of early goals in his in his career hopefully that he can really really take off and then everyone kind of look back and go well where's this where's this Deli Ali been for the last couple of years so fingers crossed eh why has why has Deli Ali lost his way? Like, uh, is that I mean, he was he was great under Pochettino. Is it simple, simply just managerial change and next manager asking different things of him and not getting the best out of him? Is that, it was after it was Mourinho, wasn't it? And then, yeah, yeah. And then... I watched a fascinating clip online where Mourinho uh, from the documentary that Spurs had. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, yeah. He does say to Ali very candidly that he believes that Ali will have regrets later in his career. Because he does have all the talent, but whereas the very best players will consistently perform at the top level, Mourinho pointed out that Ali was more up and down. So he, he said that he was a player who had good moments rather than mm. a really good player. Um, and so I think hopefully if, if Frank Lampard can channel that the desire and energy and the hunger from him to prove people like Mourinho wrong, then that would be brilliant. Yeah. So I think I, from what I was reading, I was reading something yesterday about how the the change of manager wasn't it wasn't quite as cut and dried as that he was having towards the end of Pochettino's time as well. His his form had dipped a little bit, um, okay. and obviously the whole off off the field distractions, that kind of thing, playing too many video games. You know that he had um, you know I guess an, a, a bad breakup with a girlfriend or something, um, and so I think that just the Mourinho coming in and then the chopping and changing oh, changing of managers has happened since has really not allowed him to rediscover any of his um of his rhythm and he does seem to be one of those players that that does need an arm around the shoulder um, which he looks like he'll certainly get from Lampard um and another thing was um was it uh Raheem Sterling and Rio Ferdinand in, in this article were both quoted as saying that the best thing they ever did was sort of get away from London 
where all their friends were. And they said, my friends can stay down there. I don't need them up here, you know, sort of leading me astray. And that might be the thing that does it for Deli Alley. Oh, hopefully. Yeah, mate. Uh, it could work out. I think, yeah, you, you just you just reeled off a couple of things. And um, obviously, you look at the mental side of uh, of that, I suppose. And I was just thinking there, if he's 25, what will he been like 23? It's, that's still a, it's still a, a, a young man, isn't it? You yeah, know? And, absolutely. Uh, for like six years, he's had a lot of pressure. You know what I mean? For like, and he's still at that point very young. So it's... Uh, Maybe we're being a bit, a bit unfair. Maybe being a bit like unforgiving, saying, "Oh God, his form dipped," and all, you know, and all this. And I guess it's easy to forget that, isn't it? And the age and the pressures and all that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm hopeful. I new, new, new lease of life for him. And uh, you're right with Lampard. I think he's the sort of guy who, who does look, who would look after um, players like that. I just wonder, manager, his management is, is it changing a bit? I mean, I look at like say Southgate for England. Um, it doesn't strike me as any like a master tactician or anything like that. But he, mm-hmm. the players play, you know, the players obviously clearly enjoy the environment and, and he get he gets the best out of them. Is man, it, do players just are they going to be more responsive to that sort of manager? Like, is it as as uh, personalities change as different like you know personality groups grow and younger people develop? Is, are they after different? I don't know. Does that older school manager is that is that a dying art now? Maybe is it? A, do, you, do you need that arm on the shoulder a bit more now? I, I don't. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there really. But uh, yeah, I just wonder if um, your, your Lampard, your Rooney, your Gerrards, your Potters in a way is that you know is, is that that younger, fresher impetus the way forward now? I guess I guess we'll see over the next uh, next year or two, won't we? Yeah, no, I think that's a good shout because the, the nature of the game has changed, you know, and then and the managers that are coming through now are the ones that were really the first ones to come through this this sort of age of, of you know, massive salaries and, and, and massive exposure. And I think, yeah, someone like, as you say, Lampard and Rooney and Gerard, you know, these guys, they understand what the pressures are like now and what the potential distractions are for these for these players. So I, I think you're right. I think that's a that's a, a really good shout. That the, the whole manage the whole change of of being a man, the whole character of being a manager now is changing. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to disregard the uh, the, the managerial qualities and the tactics and all that. And I'm not saying yeah. it's, it's as simple as just like oh yeah, you just need someone younger who knows who, who can relate to players. There's obviously more to it than that. But uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit of the battle. It's like having the getting the players on board now, whereas. Uh, I think we well we, again we we've, we've seen with Rafa Benitez that it, you know it didn't work with that sort of more disciplined approach did it you know it worked mm-hmm. probably a bit more with Carlo but Carlo again he's a bit of an arm on the shoulder sort of manager isn't he you know what I mean but and oh, you say it worked it, it didn't quite work did it but like it was you know it, it was a better seeing the better environment to pull it that way yeah yeah. So neither one can play obviously against Brentford so we're going to have. Uh... I suppose we're going to have more of the same in terms of in terms of player selection. Obviously, without Calvert Lewin, uh, what what's your sense? I mean, obviously, I think most people would say that the the Tuesday is the the more important game. But how how would you approach this one, Al? Yeah, it's difficult because obviously, I think getting a win in this first game is huge for Lampard, isn't it? Yeah, just to to keep that feel good uh, momentum going. Um, so he, he did allude to the fact in the press conference that he's he's aware of where the squad is at. Um, so I, I do think he'll go. I, I think he'll go strong, um, as strong as he can with with the injuries that we've got. Um, but I do. I think that the timing of the of the appointments and the new signings. I think 
I think the FA Cup game will still be, you know, high on his list as well. Just just for that feel around the club, because as we've said, these have been a pretty dark six months. Mm-hmm. So if we if we can if we can use maybe the FA Cup to boost our league form, then that would be great. Because obviously, making too many changes for for the Brentford game wouldn't get him off to the best start. So I think it's probably increased in importance, to be honest. And I, I think. Obviously, he'll have the Goodison crowd behind them as well, and hopefully, it will be a really good event. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What What about um, the two young fullbacks? Do Do you start either one of those, both of those? I think, yeah, I think to be honest, yeah. While I've just said it's an important game, I think it's one where you can test out those players, put them in the put them in the uh, in the team at Goodison, uh, and get them playing. I think it's really important. I think uh, John Joe Kenny featuring against Villa just didn't didn't feel right. I think he's on his way yeah. out, um, and I would have preferred to see to see someone else there. And we've got young players that we've that we've spent big on. You know that the fans want to see them, and and the players want to be part of it as well. I'm sure. So I w- I would personally play both of them absolutely. And I think it, I think Everton needs to find a balance now, and the more. We can get away from playing players, you know, square pegs round holes. The better for me. So if we've got a left back available, we we play him there. To be honest. Yeah, I definitely agree, hundred percent. I think everyone wants to see them both. I think everyone wants to see Patterson. No, no, yeah, I think he's probably the one everyone was a bit more excited about, and mm-hmm. no one's seen anything from him yet. And surprised he hasn't made the pitch with the games we've had. I mean, uh, he was on the bench at Hull, wasn't he? I think he was. I thought he might. That was an opportunity, and the way the game was going at Norwich, I forget what the sub was he made, but it was it was it was a daft one. It seemed to go up, you know, he's a young ball fullback. It seemed the opportunity to get him on there. Um, yeah, it's a bit surprising he has not had an opportunity yet, but we don't know about his fitness and stuff like that. I suppose. Um, but yeah, a great opportunity for them, for them both to play. Definitely, I think it's, I think as Al says, definitely, it's, it's a great opportunity, isn't it, for Frank to to, yeah. you know, to, to get off to a fly Brentford at home in the cup. They'll probably rest a few players. They've they've got Man City. Away on Wednesday or Thursday or something like that. So oh, have they, they well. Yeah, so they, you know, they've obviously got a tough game. I, I, can't, I can't imagine Brentford are going to stick their best eleven out. They'll, they'll probably be resting a few players. So it's a, it's a real opportunity for Everton to, um, to progress in the cup and uh, Frank to get off to a flyer. I, I can't imagine them sticking. You know, yeah, making a surprise lineup. I think it'll be a pretty strong team. Um, you don't you don't want to lose that, do you? You don't want you, you, you don't want to no. start like that, no. So I think uh, it, you're right in that, like it's uh, Newcastle's a, a more important game. You would want you would want players fresh, but maybe maybe you'll keep Yerry Mina Yerry Mina out, maybe just 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 keep him on ice a little bit until you know what I mean for for, for the um, Newcastle game. There might be one or two. Would would one non play in attack, or would he just stick for Charleston up there? That'd be a, that'd be interesting. Didn't, didn't he just yeah. go a hat trick hat trick for Venezuela? Um, <laughs> with, with Dominic Dominic not available, might be you never know. An ex Newcastle yeah. player, I suppose, it might be an opportunity. You know, oh yeah, that's you true. Never know. So yeah, who knows? What about uh, um, what about Alan? Because he's, I mean, he's really the only one, and he's not even. I think most of us have agreed that he's really not a classic six, you know, holding midfielder anywhere. But he's really, apart from I suppose maybe Tyler and Yango, the only one that you might trust in there. That that's my concern. Is is do we risk him? For both games, you know, in such such as a short space of time. Yeah, I think it's just that 
it's sort of been the theme of the season, isn't it? The injuries have just really decimated <laughs> the team and hurt us. And really, I don't, I don't see many other options in there. Um, so I think it's just one that we need to, we just need to deal with and hope that the the midfielders can get back. Really, it is. It's really difficult for Lampard. Um, the state the squad is in at the moment, and you just need to hope that it improves quickly for the for the league campaign. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think that, uh, you know, the Brentford game, I think we showed that they showed that their early, their early season impetus is, is waning. Um, yep. I think even if they played a, their strongest team, you know, like the one that we faced down, down in London, you know, our team has in more than enough to beat a team that plays that way and play the way that they did. So um, I think even with a weakened team, and um, obviously, Christian Eriksen is not going to be playing for a while. I don't think he even arrives until Monday at, at their club. So, yeah, I think if uh, with with the new manager bounce and, and Goodison behind us, I think it's one that we can we can we can definitely win. Um, and I like the idea of you know Lampard doing Joe Royal style, carrying us to uh, to Wembley while we fight relegation. I, I like I like that narrative. It'd be nice to yeah. see that again. <laughs> Suppose it's a big. <clears throat> not that I expect he'll take it because he's uh, he seldom has in his time, uh, really, particularly since his injury. But it's a real opportunity for Andre Gomez, isn't it? With uh, the you know that we just signed a couple of midfielders. Imagine once the others are fit, he probably. I think you mentioned before he's probably his like fifth choice, and he, surely he'll play on um, Saturday just just through lack of numbers in midfield. <clears throat> pardon me, otherwise. Yeah. So that's a, that's a real opportunity for them to, to sort of stake a claim, isn't it, for the new manager? Um, but whether he, whether he does that, I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, we've uh, a real, real opportunity to win. Um, yeah, it'd be good to get in the hat, wouldn't it? You never know. A little bit of a cup run. The fifth round's midweek, isn't it, in a, in a few weeks' time or so, um, rather than on a Saturday. So it be interesting to see uh, yeah, if we can get through. And, uh, yeah, you never know, do you? If you get a nice draw, a nice home draw next round and... Before you know it, you're in the quarters. There you go. I'm, I'm dreaming again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, let's fingers crossed, eh? Well, we've hit 45 minutes, and that seems to be the perfect place to leave it. My thanks to Paul and to Elle and to you as well for listening, if you've made it this far. As before, we'd welcome any feedback, any suggestions, ideas that you have. Uh, be nice. You can contact us at toffeeweb.com, obviously, uh, or on Twitter, at ToffeeWeb, and you can give Paul and L a follow on Twitter as well. Paul is at Paul Trail with two L's on the end, and L is E L L Breckland. So, once again, thanks very much, and uh, we'll speak to you very soon.